Welcome to the Way Church Service at Greystone with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. service at Greystone. I'd like to thank everyone for coming out this morning to get a portion of God's word. Amen. First and foremost, let's thank our Lord and Savior this morning for making all this possible for us by going to the cross, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and becoming the final sacrifice for our sins so we can have a new life, eternal life, spiritual life, and a new purpose here on planet earth for all who believe in the one and only Son of God. We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a goal, and that is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's Word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. And we study it, learn it, and apply it to see how God wants us to live think, act, how to serve, how to treat ourselves and others. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. One body, many parts. I want to personally welcome all you to the way. We depend on God's grace, not our own power, to accomplish his will for our lives. Also, I want to say hello to our family who are watching from the live feed. You can't be with us this morning. If you'd like to worship with us in the unity of the Spirit this morning, we love you all and thank you for your continued support. And if you have a cell phone, please silence it so it does not disturb this morning's service. And as always, we will start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, thank you for giving us this beautiful day and this beautiful opportunity to gather together as your family to worship and to honor and to glorify you, Lord. And also to become more and more like you, Lord. Thank you for getting us here safely, Lord. Help us to put you first in our lives, Lord. As all of us like to do that, thank you, Lord, for the congregation and the church you give us, Lord. Let us always be accountable to it and to you, Lord, as one body with many parts, Lord. I pray for the people who might not be feeling well in the congregation and outside the congregation, Lord, who might be wayward, that you touch all of their lives, Lord, and bring them back home to us, Lord, soon. And let them realize that you'll never leave them nor forsake them. And everything you do is to bring them closer to you, Father. Help us all to take all the bitterness, anger, and resentment out of our hearts this morning, Lord. Fill it with your unconditional love, Lord, so we can get a crystal clear message through your word from your spirit, Lord. And as always, let everything be led by your spirit this morning and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' powerful name that I pray. Amen and amen. All right, let's stand and worship the
Thanks, Brett. That was beautiful. Right? Does she have a beautiful voice or what? What a beautiful day, huh? Come on. Come on now. We're a blessed church, aren't we? One body, many parts. Amen. I love that song. The strength in numbers. It says, if we fall, we fall together. Then it says, when we rise. Not if we rise, but when we rise, we will all rise together. Amen. As one family in Christ. What a beautiful day it is, a beautiful opportunity to get together this morning. And we did have an awesome day on the golf course yesterday. It was great, great time. And we do have another, it's so great to get together with other, other Christians outside the church and fellowship with each other, to get to know each other. It was just a great, great time and opportunity. It was just beautiful. We all won, all of us. <laughs> 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 My brother Sean, though, he's good at that. You know, he's better at it. So. <laughs> we all did well. It was just awesome. All right, we're going to start this morning in John chapter 1, verse 10. Oh, we're going to go back a little bit from that. Go with me to verse 6. John 1. Verse 6. The Holy Spirit will be taken over as I go on to these scriptures, so please clear your mind and prepare your hearts to receive the message that Spirit is trying to say to the church this morning. Amen? Very important message about spiritual warfare we're on. The, the, the devil's always going to try to distract us from understanding this. Alright, verse 6. John chapter 1. God sent the man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. <clears throat> he came to his own people. And even they rejected him. But all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with the physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father, the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From, from his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. But God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. How about a big amen there? Amen. Jesus became, the, the word became human, so Jesus is the word of God. I also have one for us this morning that I would like to share with you. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. God wrote this on my heart to share with you, and when he does, I do. Let the Spirit speak this morning, amen? Okay. Everybody with me so far? 
Beautiful. Okay, pay attention. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. King Solomon. Wrote Ecclesiastes. Get a lot of wisdom from this book. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1. If you have a hard time getting to the scriptures, there's a blue card in there to help you get to the pages faster. Sister Donna provided for us. We're grateful for that. Okay, verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1. I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it to seek pleasure? Does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. So he was saying he tried everything, but it still left him empty. Because the only, the only thing that's going to fill that is Jesus Christ. He put that hole in every human being's heart so when they find him, they can find true satisfaction in life and find their purpose in life by finding Jesus and living for him. Can I get a big amen there? So you can try to build big homes and get all the riches you want, but it's still all meaningless, the Bible says, because Solomon all tried all that. Now go to verse 14. Look what it says. The wise and the foolish. For the wise can see where they are going, but fools walk in the dark. Yet I saw that the wise and foolish share the same fate. Both will die. True. So I said to myself, since I will end up in the same as fools, what's the value of all my wisdom? This is all so meaningless. For the wise and the foolish both die. The wise will not be remembered any longer than the fool, and the days to come both will be forgotten. So I came to hate life because everything done here under the sun it's so troubling. Everything is meaningless, like chasing the wind. So I came to hate all my hard work here on earth, for I must leave, leave to others everything I have earned. 
And who can tell whether my successors will be wise or foolish? Yet they will control everything I have, gained by my skill and hard work under the sun. How meaningless. I gave up in despair, questioning the value of all my hard work in this world. So he was seeking in the world everything to fulfill his life. And he found it was all meaningless, like chasing the wind. But we have something better. We have a savior. We have something to fill that void. We have Jesus and the word of God. So when you actually put that first in your life, everything else falls into place underneath that. The trouble is we have trouble putting him first. We try to put everything else first ahead of him, and the devil loves to do that with us by filling us with material things and distracting us. That's why the message this morning on spiritual warfare is so, so important. So we're going to we're going we're gonna to continue with our message on spiritual warfare this morning in the, in the battlefields we were talking about. Remember last time we got together, I talked about seven battlefields. And we got through, I believe, three of them. So, by way of review here, let's just get a little understanding. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. So we have to understand, all of us are at war. Not a war of borders, of culture, of race, or religion. We are standing in the midst of a spiritual battle that has been raging for untold millennia. Despite the endurance and scope of this war, a vast number of people are oblivious to the volleys being fired behind the veil, blissfully unaware of the cosmic duel between God and his enemy, the devil. Even as the fallout of that conflict manifests in the world around us, spiritual attacks, sickness, strife, even death. Christians should be aware of this war. There are plenty of verses that tell of it. Is everyone in Ephesians 6? Okay, look at verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. So being strong in the Lord and his mighty power, being strong in the words of God. Put on all of God's armor so you'll be able to stand firm against all strategy of the devil. We know one thing is for sure, the devil is very, very strategic. Can I get an amen here? Amen. He knows what we fell to and he knows how to bait us. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, my brothers and sisters, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil or the evil one. What do you mean the fiery arrows? He never gives up. He hits you with one arrow, you might be able to deflect it. So here comes another and another and another. 
And the only way to get rid of, the only way to stop the attacks of the devil is through the word of God. Jesus was tempted by the devil. He didn't use anything but what? Scripture. So that's why when we have scripture stored in our hearts, we can resist the devil and he will flee. Can I get an amen here? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee, the Bible tells us. These are the principles the Bibles tell us. Now 17, put on the salvation as your helmet, knowing that we're saved and going to heaven. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The first thing the devil wants to take away is our salvation. He wants to say, you say that you're saved, but look at the way you're living, the way you're acting. Look, I didn't get saved because of the way I lived. I got saved for what I believe. I believe Jesus, my Lord, is saved, and he rose from the dead. That puts me in perfect harmony with my God now. There's nothing I have to do to get it, and there's nothing I have to do to keep it. Can I get an amen here? Amen. We have to understand this principle so we can fight this battle. Knowing that when we fail, and we will, thought, word, and deed, our flesh is, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We have to understand, I'm going to heaven. It does not matter. The only, the only thing that we do good is the fruit of our salvation. We do good things because we are saved. Not to get saved. Can I get an amen here? That's simply the fruit of our salvation. When we do good things for people to glorify God. We have to understand that. Our, our position with Jesus is perfect and locked in. Now our condition down here is in pretty shaky we're in the world, devil's world right now. We're on shaky ground. He's always trying to attack us and make us feel like we're not going to heaven. So what makes us what? Miserable. Should there be a miserable Christian? No, absolutely not. We should be so happy and joyous in Christ, knowing that heaven's in our home, and thank God this is not the only place we got to be. I can't wait to get out of here. Heaven is our home. This, is, this place is full of hatred, bitterness, Anger and temptation. He's going to give us new resurrected glorified bodies that don't have to deal with this sin nature anymore. Who wouldn't want that? Every day I get up, the battle goes on and on and on and on. The closer I get to God, the more fiery arrows the devil shoots at me. And he's going to shoot at you. That's why if you're not educated properly, when the devil starts to attack you, you end up walking away from Christianity. Saying, this is too much for me. This is too hard. But when you're doing something for God, we're going to have to suffer for his namesake here. Because the devil is going to attack you. So you have to be prepared for that. Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Amen? Okay. Now it says, verse 18, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Always be prepared. And that's just to name one of them. Yet it remains a subject to spiritual warfare not spoken about often. Okay? Yet it remains a subject. A collision of truth against an ideal often used to draw others to Christ. The Christian walk doesn't seem as cheerfully appealing to many people when the truth of it is that the new Christian is stepping into a battle that was already raging around him. Picking up the armor of God to wage war against the vicious ancient enemy, the devil has many strategies for this battle. He has been fighting it for a very long time, along with his tactics of devouring, 1 Peter 5, tempting, 1 Corinthians 7, deceiving, Ephesians 6, and lying, John 8. He also has in his arsenal 
the weapon of division. The biggest one. He divides Christians. When the only thing that keeps us together is we all believe that Jesus is the Christ, our Lord and Savior. Everything else just doesn't matter. That's what binds us together. Can I get an amen here? So instead, everybody's going to make their own rules on top of that. And it makes Christians divide each other. Instead of what? Loving each other. Like God commands us. There are two primary errors when it comes to spiritual warfare. Overemphasis and underemphasis. Some blame every sin, every conflict, and every problem on demons that need to be cast out. Others completely ignore the spiritual realm and the fact that the Bible tells us that our battle is against spiritual powers. The key to successful spiritual warfare is finding the biblical balance. Jesus sometimes cast demons out of people. Other times he healed people with no mention of the demonic. The Apostle Paul instructs Christians to wage war against the sin in themselves, Romans 6, and warns us to oppose the schemes of the devil in Ephesians 6. Can I get an amen here? All right. When we as Christians truly begin to grasp the fact that we are at war, much of what seems to be part of life, collisions of viewpoints, irreconcilable differences, is in fact revealed to be the devil's hand dancing the puppets from behind the scenes, moving his troops along the war map, the Bible makes it clear that the devil is the god of this world, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. And his many systems are in place to deceive and divide people, pushing them further away from God's ranks, where they could have become spiritually equipped to fight against the forces of evil, unseen and deeper into the darkness, which only a holy light can render. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, please. Everybody with me so far? Stay focused, right? This is important. Every time I talk about this subject, great anxiety overwhelms me and fear. The devil just barrages me with confusion, trying to scramble my mind so that this message doesn't come out clear. And I know what it is. It's the devil trying to scramble it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 9. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil than ra rather than believing the truth. So we have to understand Satan is the great deceiver. He even deceives Christians that are not well-versed in the Bible. That's why this church tells everybody to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And if you don't want to read it, I read it for you. And go back on the website and look it up 
I'm there, and I read the whole Bible in a year for you so you could hear it, so you can understand all the strategies of the devil and all the power that you have in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen here? You have everything you need to fight against this warfare, but it's God who fights it, not you. All right? Satan's forces continue to promote immorality, rebellion, greed, and all manner of sinfulness, while the forces of righteousness promote order, respect, love, and holiness. This makes the boundary line between the two opposing sides very clear. In this war, there is no safety afforded to those who prefer to sit on the proverbial fence. Because guess who owns the fence? The devil owns the fence. Okay? Jesus made this crystal clear when he told us that his followers, that whoever is not with him is against him, and whoever does not gather with him scatters. Matthew 12, 30. In order for us, the children of God, to navigate the minefields of this war surrounding us, we need to be clear on the battlefields on which the war is being fought. This war that we are caught up in, in the midst of, does not end when we join God's ranks. That is for sure. God equips us to fight in it. He doesn't excuse us from it. Can I get an amen here? All right, he equips us. All right. The strategies change, but the battlefields remain the same. Okay, over time, the various moves and strategies of the evil one has changed. But the war continues to be fought on the same battlefields. When we step back from the front lines of war, we can see the battles being waged on seven major battlefields. The first one is media and communication. We already went through this, so I'm not going to reiterate it again. I'm just going to go over it quickly. The ability to exchange ideas and disseminate information, whether true or false, is one of the most important ways to influence and control people. This is why the battlefield of media and communication is a critical arena for the armies of light and the forces of darkness. Since the beginning of time, the adversary has attempted to control mankind by shaping thought, which he does by controlling information. You know, you go on the internet, social media, and a lot of stuff they think you think is truth is a lie. It's a deception. The only truth is in the Word of God. Can I get an amen here? Amen. And they make it sound like the truth. All right? First Timothy chapter 4, go with me quickly. I'm going to get through a couple of these today. How do I know this is true? Because the Bible tells us clearly in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I see it happening today. So are we in the last times? I don't know, but I'll tell you what. Things are certainly uh, looking that way. The way things are going out there in the world right now, anything goes. It's becoming a lawless society. Whatever you want, you can have. Whatever you want to do, you do. And the Bible said that was going to happen. Look at 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. So even believers are going to turn from the faith, it says. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. That's why it's so important 
to just use the word of God as the owner's manual. Can I get an amen here? There's so many half-truths out there that deceive even believers. It says, these people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead or they're seeing. The second one I talked about was arts and entertainment. Another big arena. The field of arts and entertainment, which includes the music industry, television shows, movies, and books, is very similar to media and communication. In that it is both about the transfer of information, although it's much subtler way of influencing the minds and thoughts of humankind. You got an amen here? In 1 Corinthians 15, I can go quickly if you don't want to go there. Look what it, in verse 34, it says, Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. For your shame, I say that some of you don't know God at all. And it says in verse 33, Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. You could be a well-rounded Christian coming to church reading your Bible, but hanging with ungodly people will drag you right back into your sin nature. Can I get any men here? How do I know that? Because I do. I, I've done it. That's why anytime there's an event for the church or people that are walking with, with Jesus, I'm with them. Because that strengthens my spirit. Iron sharpens iron. Can I get any men here? Believe me, you can't save anybody. I can't even save myself. Our job is to get them to Jesus. Can I get an amen? For Thank you. Okay. The next one is education. This is a big one right here. If you know what they're teaching in schools now, it's amazing. I mean, there's nothing about God at all. Matter of fact, they want you to reject God completely. Most people readily understand the tremendous influence that arts and entertainment and media have on people, but the battlefield of education is equally impacting on the minds and hearts. In the Western world, the child begins formal schooling as early as four or five. Children now attend preschool at four. Even just between the first and twelfth grade, the average child spends 11,000 hours in the classroom. Consider, too, the additional time spent doing homework assignments, extracurricular activities, and additional years of schooling at the university level, and you can see how people can literally be programmed to think and act a certain way by such a constant environment. As a matter of fact, most events now with sports activities fall on Sunday mornings at church. So people can't come to church because they got to go play soccer or do something else. It's just a big distraction. Before, years ago, nothing was open on Sunday. Amen. Nothing was open on Sunday, and they should bring that back. Close everything, be with your family, be with your worship your God, and spend time with Him. Instead, they opened everything up like it's another day. Okay? It should be no wonder then why we are seeing an explosion in anti-Christian worldviews as children are bombarded by a thousand hours of secularism, scientism, materialism, pluralisms, and gender issues. Clearly, the battlefield of education is especially harmful when you have academia geared towards the anti-God environment. They don't even give you an option about creation. They don't teach about it whatsoever. Why? Because that's the truth. And it's the truth that sets you free. 
In 1 Timothy chapter 4, go with me, please. Everybody with me so far and agree with me on these topics, right? What's going on out there? I remember when I was in high school, we used to we used to we used to say prayers. We used to say prayers. Now they're taking them off the wall. They say that offends me. Take it down. No, we're leaving it up. Just don't look at it. How's that? Because I still like the prayer. What about what about Christians? Don't we have the right to look at prayers? They're taking away our rights to follow the devil. Not going to happen here. No way. The Bible is our owner's manual. And whatever it says is what I go by and live by and believe. Can I get an amen? amen. Don't let the world corrupt you. Bad company corrupts good character. Stay away from them. Hang with Christians that are on the same path. Okay, look at verse 11. 1 Timothy 4. Teach these things and insist that everyone learns them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say. All right? Listen, this is for everybody. Be an example in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, 1 Corinthians 13, in your faith, and in your purity. He's saying, live what you believe. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the... What does it say? Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Reading the scriptures to the church. When you come to this church, we read you the scriptures. A lot of churches are not reading the scriptures. They might want one, two or three scriptures, and the rest is entertainment. Gratifying what? The flesh. Instead of convicting it and crucifying it, like we're supposed to be doing. Can I get an amen? A big amen here, right? Amen. We're supposed to get rid of the flesh, not gratify it. And what does it do? It keeps the flesh going. Woo wee, yeah. I'm feeling the spirit now. The spirit is not a feeling. The spirit is a fact. There's nothing wrong with enjoying worship. But sometimes we have to suffer to worship God. And that's something that every Christian has to believe and understand and go through. Again, the man. All right, the fourth one, business and economy. This is a big one. Godly people conduct themselves ethically in business and in the handling of money. For them, unlike the ungodly, the ends do not justify the means in acting with integrity is highly treasured. Even if it means losing money in a business deal or an investment. Contrast that with the ungodly who will steal, cheat, and lie as they seek unjust enrichment, even when it comes to a great loss and pain to others. The battlefield of business and economy is vitally important to both the armies of God and the devil because it's often through the medium of money that good and bad is greatly promoted and sustained. Consider how the other battlefronts are supported through business and economy. The bottom line is that Hollywood and the music industry are essentially just businesses. They cease work when the money stops flowing into them. 
Even television networks such as NBC, CBS, Fox, and others must be supported through advertising revenue. Cut off the revenue and their ability to promote their agenda shifts to neutral and it goes nowhere. Money is power and it buys influence, which is why there are so many verses in the Bible that speak of money and goods and the godly way of handling it. The importance of this battlefield can be inferred simply from the fact that there are about 500 verses in the Bible on prayer, but there are over 2,350 verses on the handling of money and possessions. Hmm. There is reciprocal, albeit most, a parasitic relationship between the battlefield of business and the others. The kind of person who wins the battlefield of media, arts, communication, and education determines the kind of person who will lead in business, and the kind of person leading his business in turn supports them. God has given us clear instructions concerning business and economy. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, look at verse 5. <clears throat> verse 5. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Deuteronomy 31, 6 and 8. So verse 6, we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I have no fear. What can mere people do to me? How about a big amen there? Amen. Money and God. There's nothing wrong with money. We all need it to survive. We all know that. But to put that above God is sin. And to use it to build God's kingdom is what he gives us the riches to do. Can I get any men here? Amen. He gives us that to build his kingdom and to support it. Because God owns everything. Remember that. Look, God, God owns this church. God owns the world and everything in it. Just remember that. Romans 14, verse 12. Go there. Come on now. Don't, don't let me lose you now this morning. I got another one to talk about here. Government. When these scriptures speak to me, boy, I write them down. And I say, I'm speaking these to you so you can speak them to them. God speaks through the scriptures. Can I get an amen here? Amen. That's right. He speaks through the scriptures. And he uses me as the vessel to get it to you. There ain't nothing special about me. That's for sure. I have to go into that world just like you do every day. And toil to make a living like back in Genesis. Because of the sin, we have to what? 
struggle to make a living, toil in this world. Look at verse 12. Romans 14. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Can I get an amen here? Christians should not condemn Christians. Decide instead, this is a decision now, so the evidence based on a decision, God never takes away our free will. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. What does he mean by that? There's liberties that all of us have in freedom in Christ. But some people don't have that liberty. Some people struggle with different things. And if you know that somebody is struggling with something, you should do nothing in front of them that would cause them to stumble. Can I get an amen? amen. Paul said, I'll never eat meat or drink wine again if that causes another believer to stumble. Because it's about other people, not about gratifying your flesh and serving yourself down here. It's about denying yourself for the benefit of others. If somebody else don't, can't do it, you don't do it in front of them either. So they don't stumble. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of things I won't do that I don't have a problem with because if I do it, the people follow the lead. Oh, the pastor does it, so it's right for me. So what do I do? I don't do it. And you won't find me in them places doing them things because I'm supposed to be an example to you. And you're supposed to be an example to others when you're out in the world. You represent the way ministries when you leave here. And so what? You're supposed to conduct yourself in a way you would conduct yourself in church. Can I get a big amen here? Amen. If you can't say amen, say out. It's okay. Because I'm not here to make you happy. I'm here to make you like Jesus. That's what the Bible saves us to do. To deny yourself for the benefit of others. And that's what Christian growth is all about. Maturity. Saying, I'm not going to do that. Not because I have a problem with it. Because I don't want anybody else to think it might, may hurt somebody. I don't want to misrepresent my church. I don't want to be found in them places that are going to hurt my testimony. Can I get an amen here? That's just the way it goes. Alright, the fifth one. The government. Government is the ultimate form of control over people. And those who govern are determined and swayed by all the other battlefields. Media, entertainment, education, business, religion, and family. I do not believe there is one particular form of government that is good or evil in itself. While it is true that there are some that are more inclined towards evil, or are more easily manipulated by it, a righteous government exists whenever a leadership governs righteously. A dictatorship can be kind and benevolent if you have a kind and benevolent dictator. Even a representative form of government like the one we have in the United States today can become corrupt when you have elected elites who are more devoted to self-interest and personal enrichment than they are to governing according to what God's desires and ways. The actual type of government is irrelevant. Because a government simply reflects the nature of those who are in position to govern. Can I get an amen here? God even tells us that we, there is a day coming when a sole king will rule. And it will be a great and wonderful time. Because that king will righteously administer justice and promote peace. Amen. Go with me to Revelation chapter 20. And we all know who that governor is going to be, don't we? 
Yeah, oh, you're so smart. Listen, there's not a person on this planet that can fix the sin condition. So you can vote and go for anybody you want. We want to vote for righteous leadership that believe in God. And they're going to work for the people and not for themselves. And not for personal benefit. Look at verse um, Revelation 20 verse 6. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them the second death holds no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. When Jesus comes back, he's going to establish a new world and a new government. And guess what? We're going to be part of it. No more sin, no more pain, no more suffering. For a thousand years, just imagine waking up every day, not having to fight off your flesh. Not being depressed and uh, all the mundane life and all these things that go that Satan puts into our minds. No more of that. Bliss. Joy. Peace. Happiness. No more sin. No more suffering. But that ain't going to happen down here. We have to understand that. Reasonably happy here and extremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen? Amen. You have to understand there's a better time coming. Okay, go to 1 Timothy chapter 2 now. This is not a conflict that some would like to make it between opposing political parties or economic views. It is a conflict of a more, much more fundamental and cosmic nature. Clearly, as followers of Jesus, we need to pray for an increase in godly leadership in government. Can I get an amen here? Amen. We're to pray for godly leadership in government. We're to pray for our leaders. That God can get inside them. He's the only one that can do it. Can I get an amen here? Amen. There's power in prayer. 1 Timothy chapter 2. We'll close here. Verse 1. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for what? Kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives mocked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. Amen. How about a big amen there? Amen. There's only one. There's only one way to get to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Amen? i leave you with that. Thank you for letting me share that. I'm going to call the ushers to come up and take up the collections, and we are going to close this morning. Stand and worship the Lord in close.
Lord, we're so grateful and thankful to have this beautiful day, Lord, and this opportunity to gather in your house, Lord, and hear your message. Lord, I pray that we always seek to put you first, Lord, and seek your will. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us each day to take what we learn here and use it to become doers of your word, Lord, and not just readers of your word. Lord, I just pray that we would never take your grace and mercy for granted, Lord, and that we'd have a heart that's always on fire for you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you continue to watch over the church and the congregation, Lord. Anybody that might be sick, not feeling well, or just might be going through anything, Lord, I pray that you would touch their hearts, reassure them that you'll never leave them nor forsake them, and that you're with them always, Lord. And I pray this in your holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, everybody. The service is over. Have a great day. Until we meet again, God bless.